so good to be coming to you again. And um, I really feel like I've got a word. So I want you to turn your Bibles and I'm just going to talk to you from the chair. But I have a full-blown sermon that God put on my heart. I'm going to call it the need for inner strength. The need for inner strength. And I'm reading out of Proverbs 18, verse 14. The Bible says, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? Wow, strong verse. Let me read it again. The strong spirit. What kind of a spirit? The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or times of trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or who can bear it? Now, this passage is telling us something very important about survival in tough times. And I'm sure you would agree with me that America is in a season of very intense warfare. We're all feeling it. We all know it. We all sense it. We're all involved in it. And this passage is telling us how God's people can stay afloat, stay strong, stay hearty, no matter what is going on around them. Now, let me give it to you this way. If your inner man is strong, it will sustain you in pain or in trials. Your inner man. We're going to talk a lot about the inner man. I'm going to be quoting a lot of Bible today. Conversely, if your inner man is weak, you will faint in tough times. If your inner man is strong, you're going to survive the tough times. If your inner man is weak, you're going to faint during the tough times. Now, the Bible says this about fainting on the inside, not physically falling down, fainting on the inside where you expire, you, you, you give up, you quit, you throw in the towel, you put up the white flag, you faint. The Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Now, what strength is this referring to? Well, your inner strength, the strength of your inner man. Now, let me tell you what your inner man is, because Paul uses that phrase several times, and the New Testament focuses on the inner man, as we're about to see many times. Your inner man is that part of you that has been born again, made new and alive by the indwelling Holy Spirit after turning to Christ. Your inner man, your spirit man, was dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1. But when we turned to Christ, repented, said, Lord, forgive me. I look to you to be my Savior and Lord. Then the Holy Spirit was sent by God to live inside of you. And the Bible says, you who are dead in trespasses and sins, has he quickened? Well, that's talking about the quickening that came to your inner man. Another way to put quickening is life, L-I-F-E-D. That's not good English, but it's good theology. Uh, he lifed you. He made you alive. Your inner man touches every part of you. Your emotions, your sense of well-being, your peace, your joy, your thoughts. Your inner man touches all of those. It's through our inner man that we commune or relate with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Is the way that we have fellowship with God. How does God fellowship with you and me? How does he speak to you and me? He speaks to our inner man. You, we could also call it the heart. 
All of these things are involved in the concept of the inner man. But it's that inner part of you. It is that part of you that God made alive. It is that part of you that God fellowships with. It is that part of you that when you read the Bible, you say, wow, I was so fed. Well, what does that mean? It means your inner man was fed. That inner part of you was fed by the good word of God. Paul blessed the Corinthians with this benediction. He said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Well, how is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with me? Well, where is the Holy Spirit regarding you and I as Christians? He lives on the inside of us. So that's our inner man. Paul says, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with your inner man. That's like you're driving down the highway and you sense the peace of God. You begin to worship God. You got with God before you left for work and and now you're fellowshipping with the Lord in the spirit. And he may bring to your mind some verse. He may give you some encouraging word, but it comes via your inner man. The Holy Spirit fellowshipping with your inner man. Did you know that the health of our inner man can even affect our body? Listen to Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit and when he says a broken spirit, he's talking about your inner man, makes one sick. Did you catch that? That a healthy inner man brings health to the whole person. And uh, an unhealthy inner man uh, can make you sick. We live in a culture, don't we, that lives or that places a high premium on physical fitness and physical strength and looking good and outer appearance and all of that. But we rarely in our culture stop to consider whether or not our inner man is strong or weak. How's your inner man today? Is your inner man strong? Is your inner man weak? Is your inner man so-so? Is your inner man wilting? Is your inner man thriving? What is the condition of your inner man today? We ought to always be sure that our inner man is faring well. A strong inner man is the key to surviving in tough times. The prophet Isaiah writes, even youths, young people, will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. In other words, even the youngest and strongest amongst us uh, have a breaking point. Their inner man, unless it's strong, made strong by God, their inner man faints. And though you have this young person who's robust and healthy and physically strong, Yet if his inner man is not strong, then he can faint in the day of adversity. Isaiah goes on to give the key to sustained strength. And you all know this verse, but I love reading it. He says, but, but those, but those, in, in comparison to the youth fainting and giving up, but those who uh, trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and watch this, not faint. What's the key? Those that are waiting on the Lord, leaning on the Lord, spending time with the Lord and who are strong as a result of that in their inner man. So here's our takeaway. A strong body is a good thing, but in times of trial, tribulation and trouble, it is a strong, faith-filled Holy Spirit-filled, Word-filled inner man 
that will sustain you in the time of trouble. You know, folks, are we not hearing of people all around us fainting, giving up, walking away, saying, I'm out of church. I'm not going to read the Bible anymore. I'm not going to pastor anymore. I'm, I'm just giving up. Well, not those that wait on the Lord. In church, I want you and me together to be those that wait on the Lord and renew our strength and cultivate a strong, vital, robust inner man that is mighty in God. Paul the Apostle advised young Timothy, bodily exercise, I'm quoting now, bodily exercise is all right, but spiritual exercise is much more important and is a tonic for all you do. So exercise yourself spiritually. Another verse says, take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. So there's Paul the Apostle saying, Timothy, in the days in which we live, it's great to be physically in shape, but it's even more important that you are spiritually in shape. It's more important that your inner man is strong. The Bible speaks over and over again of the importance of maintaining a strong, healthy inner man. The scriptures note, and I caught this long ago, I can remember noticing this uh, really in my late teens when I was just beginning to minister the word of God. Luke 180 tells us this about John the Baptist. John grew up, I'm quoting now, I'm quoting Luke. John grew up and became strong in his spirit. And he lived in the wilderness till he began his public ministry to Israel. Then it tells us in Luke 240 of Jesus. And the child Jesus grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now notice, here's Jesus and John the Baptist. They're about to shake the whole world. They are going to shake the whole world. The world's never going to be the same after them. And look at how God trained them when they were still in the shadows. They grew strong in their inner man. How strong are you? How strong am I in my inner man? Notice that the Bible doesn't even care on whether they grew up as great athletes or great physical specimens. It focuses on the condition of their inner man because that's what God really cares about. We see in the Bible that when Paul the Apostle prayed for the early church, he focused his prayers on their inner man. Ephesians 3.16, he prays to Jesus and says, and, and asked God and asked the Lord that he would grant you, now he's, he's, he's talking to the Ephesians, he would grant you, the Ephesians, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And if you read the Greek language, if you know Greek, that little word in his spirit, in the inner man, uh, strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that word in literally means into. So the idea is that the Lord Jesus, when we spend time with him, as I'm going to talk to you about in a moment, as we spend time with him and cultivate a strong inner man, the Lord Jesus literally pours into our inner man supernatural strength. So that in tough times, we don't faint. But you know what? We survive. And even more than that, we thrive. We are like that tree planted by the rivers of water uh, that brings forth fruit in its season. Its roots go down in the earth where they are pulling from the water of that river. And even though all around that tree may be dying, that tree doesn't die because it's planted by the rivers of water. 
It brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither. And whatever uh, it does, it prospers. What a great promise. That's the picture of the person that spends time with God and cultivates an inner man, a, a strong inner man. Um, when Jesus saves us, he not only calls us from death to life, from lost to found, from blind to sight, but he sustains us in the time of trial by supernatural strength in our inner man. Oh, I know I'm talking to you about something today we really need to hear. We need to hear this, folks, because we are in dry times out there in the culture. But it never has to be dry in our spirits. No, we're called to spend time with God and cultivate an inner man that is strong in God. Paul told the, the Ephesians in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, where am I strong in the Lord? Where am I strong in the power of his might? in my inner man. Paul even wrote that the key to beating discouragement, some of you are discouraged today. Some of you are on your last leg. Some of you don't know where to turn. Some of you feel beat up, cast out, stepped on, um, discouraged, disillusioned, disheartened. Listen, Paul wrote that the key to beating discouragement is a continuously renewed inner man. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why don't you lose heart, Paul? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now notice the connection between not losing heart and the condition of the inner man. Renewed day by day. As long as our inner man is being renewed day by day, discouragement is going to have a hard time finding a door into our soul. We are to cultivate a strong, robust, vital, spirit-filled, word-filled, God-filled, mighty in God, inner man. Let me give you a little fact of life. As goes your inner man, so go you. As goes your inner man, not your income, not your job, not what car you drive or what house you live on or what street you live on, but as goes your inner man, so go you. If your inner man is healthy, you can take the world. If your inner man is weak and wilting and struggling, then the world will take you. Now, all this leads into how we can maintain a healthy, strong inner man. And I want to keep it real simple today. I want to give you some good news. It is simple to cultivate a strong inner man. I can sum it up in four words, and here it is. And I'm just going to camp right here for the rest of this message. Daily time with God. Now, I know what you're thinking, Jeff. This is simple. And man, I've heard you say this so many times that, yeah, you have. And you know what? You're going to hear me say it until I can't say it anymore. Because this is the key to surviving in tough times, to growing spiritually, to growing into maturity, and to affecting the world for Jesus Christ. And it's simply this, daily time spent with God. Now you say, well, Jeff, um, that's elementary. I've heard that for years now. And I would reply this way, simply heard, but not simply done. Because apparently a lot of people aren't doing it. A lot of people are not spending daily time with God. They're letting this, that, and the other intrude in daily time with God. Now, 
Let me give you a little illustration. It's no news to you if you've been in my church for over a month. I love dogs. I have a couple of dogs. And I noticed something about my dogs long ago that I began to see, especially in the springtime and the summer, when I would go out into my backyard, trails that they had carved out that bespoke of where they most like to go. In other words, when I open the back door and I let my dogs out, they immediately go a certain direction. I don't know why. They know. I don't know. That's for them to understand and me not. Uh, they have their dog reasons. But when I open up the back door, they invariably go this one certain direction. They run to the fence. They sniff around. They run to the bushes. They sniff around. There are just things over there that they are just fascinated with. But I noted that after a while, they beat their own trail into the grass. They trample down the grass and there's just this little trail that tells me what my dogs most like, where my dogs most like to go. And I thought one day, you know, we human beings are exactly the same way. Same way. We forge our own trails, don't we? We forge our own trails and uh, it's just a fact. It's a fact about us. Um, we have our habits and we forge trails here, there. Uh, they may be invisible, but they're very visible to God. Um, and so let me talk to you about these trails for a moment. Um, we leave invisible but real trails that tell the story of what matters most to us. Here's an example. Is there not a trail to the refrigerator? Oh yeah, there's a trail to that refrigerator. There is a trail, it's probably the best marked trail in our life, at least in our house, to the refrigerator. And that trail is well trodden out. We go in the daytime, we go in the nighttime, we go in the in-between time to the refrigerator and grab this, that, or the other because we love to eat. And so we go to the refrigerator. So there's a trail, just like my dogs immediately run to a certain part of the lawn and they have forged a trail, we do the same. There's a trail of the TV. Oh yes, there is. There's a trail of that TV. We come home from work, we change clothes, we sit in that chair, we grab that channel changer, and we turn on that TV. And there is a clear trodden trail to the TV. Uh, there's a trail to where you work, right? I mean, we gotta go to work. And so every day it's the habit. We get, we get up, we do whatever we do before work, we get dressed, we say goodbye to the family, we get in the car and we go to work. Easily understood trail. There may be some trails no one knows about in your life or mine, but you and God. God knows every trail in our life because he knows where our feet go. And where our feet go, they go that way because that's where our heart is. See, our feet only obey where our heart tells them to go. Trails can lead to good places. Trails can lead to bad places. But I want us to ask ourselves today, is there a trail in my life to time spent with God? Is there a clear trodden trail to my time spent with God, to daily time with God? If God could turn my life into a lawn, a lawn of green grass, would there be a trail in that lawn that leads regularly to a time with God, to the place of prayer, to a daily time in his word. Oh, I can't tell you, church, how much 
I want there to be a clear trodden trail in my life. Because you see, um, there's a lot of people that say they're saved. There's a lot of people that say, oh yeah, I'm going to heaven. I believe in Jesus. But when you look at the trails in their life, you see a trail leading here, a trail leading there, and a trail leading over yonder. But you look for the trail that leads to time spent with God on a regular basis. And it's all overgrown with weeds and rocks. And it ought to be one of the clearest trails in our life. And I'm talking to myself as well. I, I work at this. I, I discipline my life to have a trail, a well-trodden trail where every day you can say, Jeff Wickwire got with God. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. It is documented that there was a man once named Praying Payson. That's where his friends began to nickname him. Because he wore the hardwood boards of his study floor into grooves where his knees pressed so often and so long. Praying Payson had forged a trail of prayer to get with God in his personal life. And it just so happens that he got in the habit of, of getting with God in his study. And after year, after year, after year of, of trotting out that trail, keeping it fresh, keeping it clean, keeping it real, of praying every day, it literally affected the wood in his wooden floor where his knees had been. What a great trail. Then William Bramwell is a famous as a Methodist preacher. He was known for being a great preacher, but he was even more so known for his praying. His biographer said for hours at a time he would pray. He almost lived on his knees, end quote. What a great trail to carve out in your life. Now, dear church, I'm only sharing this not to condemn anybody, not, not nothing like that, because look, I struggle just like you. Uh, I have to discipline my life just like you. But I hear a call of God in this hour, in, in the hour in which our nation finds itself. Uh, there's never been a greater need for a strong church, strong Christian, strong preaching, word preaching, truth preaching, declaring the gospel, gospel preaching than now. And I know something. I know that it's going to come through people, Christians, who have trails carved out in their lives of getting with God daily. Because that's how God prepares you in the shadows. If you had followed Jesus around like the disciples did, you would quickly have learned his trails. Mark records, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. And it was his custom. It was his habit. The Bible says this was his habit to arise early in the morning and find a solitary pray, a place to pray. So Jesus carved out a prayer trail. The son of God who never sinned, who never did anything wrong, who never had to say to God, God, forgive me. I shouldn't have done that because he never sinned. Even that Jesus had to carve out a prayer trail. What about you and what about me? Luke tells us something else about Jesus. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. 
Now, notice the phrase, as his custom was. Jesus had forged a church trail early on as a young boy. It was his custom, his lifelong habit, to go to the synagogue every Sabbath. So now look at Jesus. It says he carved a prayer trail. It says he carved a church trail. And it also says he grew mighty in spirit. Do you see the connection? He grew mighty in spirit because of the holy habits that were in his life. Now, Jesus had no sin. He was holy no matter what. But Jesus is our example. He's the captain of our salvation. And we're to follow his example. And if Jesus had to pray, and Jesus had to get to the house of God, and he did it regularly so that it was a marked habit of his life, where does that leave you and me? Now, most of the trails forged in your life and mine are forged by pursuing what we want and what our flesh enjoys. But when Jesus comes into our life, he calls us to blaze some brand new trails that may not appeal to our flesh, right? It's been true of me. And to do so, what he requires, uh, requires, necessitates uh, obedience and discipline. Now, if we obey him, the new trail he will, he will lead us to carve out in our life will change our lives for the better every single time, like daily time with God in prayer and in the word. I think you can't be saved long at all before the Lord's going to move on you to carve this trail out, forge this trail in your life. Daily time with God in prayer and in the word. Listen to what the Bible promises for those who will carve out this new trail. Hebrews 12, 11, and I'm coming to a close, says for the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant. No, 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 discipline never feels pleasant, but painful. Yet to those who have been trained by God's discipline, afterward it yields. Watch this, everybody. There's a result and here's a result and it's beautiful. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness or right living. Therefore, verse 12 of Hebrews 12, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths. Now there you have the path. There you have the trail. Make straight trails, we could say, for your feet so that the limb which is impaired in your life, what is out of sorts in your life? What needs healing in your life, in your soul realm? Rejection issues, fear issues, worry issues, depression issues, heartbreaks that you've never gotten over. What is it in your life that needs to be healed on the inside? Listen to this. Make straight paths, trails for your feet so that the limb which is impaired may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Wow, what a promise. A harvest of righteousness and a healed life become ours by making the life-changing decision to blaze the new trail of a daily time with God. A strong, robust inner man, folks, filled with the word and filled with the Holy Spirit is the Christian's key to surviving in tough times. Now I wanna pray for you and I wanna pray for me because my desire is that our church 
uh, would be a church filled with people whose inner man has is daily strengthened, daily experiences Jesus pouring into it, supernatural strength, so that no matter what happens around us, we are rooted in the river of the water of life. We have a source of strength the world knows nothing of. So let's bow together in prayer, can we? And let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Turning Point Church. I thank you, Lord, for helping us to be strong in our inner man. Lord, forgive us for so often neglecting our inner man. Forgive us, Lord, for placing this, that, and the other, meaningless things, inconsequential things, in front of the well-being of our inner man. Lord, forgive us for not spending time in the word, not spending time in prayer, for letting the enemy distract us so often. I pray for that, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive us. But Lord, now as we are drawing to a close of 2020 and about to enter into a new year of 2021, I pray, help us to be a church that cultivates a strong inner man that we, like Jesus and John the Baptist, we grow mighty in spirit. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just lift your hands with me and let's just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just go ahead and thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me to grow mighty in my inner man. Amen.